Hello, I'm Father Mitch Packle, and welcome to part two of our EWTN Live Christmas special. If you saw part one of our show last week, you'll know that we drove about nine hours west from our EWTN studios here in Irondale, Alabama, way out to Beaumont, Texas, to visit the inmates at the Mark W. Stiles Unit Maximum Security State Prison, right there in Beaumont. We celebrated Mass and had a wonderful concert of original music composed by Eric Generous and some Christmas carols as well. If you missed part one of our show, you can find it on our website, EWTN.com, or on our YouTube page at YouTube.com slash EWTN. Now, we hope you'll enjoy this second part of our EWTN Live Christmas special from Beaumont, Texas, right there at the Mark W. Stiles Unit Maximum Security State Prison.
I'm going to tell you a story. I was invited to go and perform in a prison in Northern California for one kid. And I said that they said, oh, would you come up and play? I said, yes. Now, let me just tell you, for me to go up to Northern California, it means for me to get on a plane and fly to Phoenix, Arizona, because that is where all my sound gear is. I mean, what you're hearing is my sound gear. I have another set for my West Coast concerts in Phoenix. Anywhere on the West Coast, I have to fly into Phoenix. So they wanted me to fly into Phoenix, go to my locker, rent a van, put it all in the van, drive 15 hours to Northern San Francisco, fly three musicians in for one kid? That is the most inefficient thing in the world. So I said, oh, I'd love to play. When I'm on tour up there, I'll stop in and play. And they said, well, if you could come as soon as possible, that would be great. So it makes no sense, except let me tell you about the kid. When the boy was 11 years old, the boy got sick. And so his mother did a very reasonable thing. She drove him to the hospital. She just never picked him up. Now, that's rough, right? So she, you and I were thinking, what, what is this? Well, guys, that's a big part of my audience. We play for so many children. We're living with two parents who love them is a foreign concept. There's a lot of forgotten in our culture. And what we all have to do collectively is figure out who the forgotten are and go after them and be charitable. That's the goal. Now, to defend the poor mother, the poor mother could not raise this child, and she knew it. Emotionally, mentally, and psychologically, she didn't have what it takes. So she did the safest thing. She took him to the hospital. I applaud that, right, when you consider the alternatives. Okay. So, but this boy, everything he knew was God. All familiarity, all comfort, all love, all stability, all joy. His source of a rock was gone. No preparation. And without any warning. So he committed his crime. He got life. And life in Northern California for a child is he's out at 21. So we were called when he was about 16. So basically he... He left the gang, and as you know, that can be a rough situation sometimes. And so we were invited to go and play, so we went and played, okay? For the past four years that he'd been in that prison, he's never been hugged. Nobody's ever said, I love you. Nobody's ever said, hey, when you get out, I'm going to make sure you learn a skill, you learn a craft, you learn a trade so that you can look after yourself. I'm going to make sure that you know how to look at a man in the eye and shake his hand and be confident and that when you fall, I will be there to help you and pick you up and walk down any journey you need to walk down. Nobody. There's been no Merry Christmas, no Happy Birthday. Essentially, what we've done is we have thrown enough food at the boy so that he looks like an adult, but in here, so broken. So I asked him, I said, son, what's the plan? He said, the plan when I get out is to come right back. That's a poverty. That's a poverty. To think that your only way of survival is in those situations. Okay, gentlemen, I play for hundreds of thousands of youth every year. I just played in a big concert hall, and they filled it with at-risk youth children who've never lived in a family, don't live in a family, at risk, right? Tough situation. It was a glorious concert. 
It was like, it was just, it was a glorious, glorious event. This is in Iowa. I'm hearing this younger and younger. My life has no meaning. Who told you your life has no meaning? My life has no purpose. Who told you your life has no purpose? I go and play for PTSD, PTSD gentlemen and women and, and men who have been um, in, in the military usually. And you know what they say? Oh, no God can forgive me for the horrible things I've done during war. Who are you to say that? Are you God's lawyer? Like you, like you have already condemned yourself as though we know what we're talking about. You know what, guys? Here's the situation. You, everybody in this room, the gift of humanity is that we have this unspeakable, immeasurable, untouchable, unreachable, beautiful, mystical, sublime dignity. I have a daughter with Down syndrome. She'll never be beyond 10 mentally. She's got that same beautiful dignity. Everybody in this room has it. You can't lose it. You can't win it. You can't earn it. The beautiful people don't have it more than you and I. It's who we are. Now, because of where we are, I have the freedom to speak. Every time you see a cross, I'm going to invite you to do one thing. Take a couple extra seconds. Don't just blow by it and walk past it. Every time you see a cross, every time you see a crucifix, know the truth. Here's the truth. God, not you and I, but Almighty God would have done that for any one of you in the room. That is how dignified you are. No, 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 not me. I'm too bad. Okay, we didn't earn that dignity. I didn't either. I didn't either. But it's a gift. It's like when my wife says, I love you. She doesn't love me because I'm good looking or I'm cool. It's a gift. So I'm either going to receive that gift or I'm going to no, no and reject it. Why would I reject a gift? That's wrong. That's another lie. Don't live the lies that come into your head. Know who you are. Don't go one more day without recognizing who you are. Those lies may come a thousand times today. Throw them all out. And every time they do, you picture there is something so unique about your relationship with Almighty God. There is this profound, unbelievable, unspeakable dignity that you have. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter what you've achieved. Doesn't matter where you live. You live here. You still have it. Don't deny the reality of the truth of your existence. Why would you do that? So I'm hearing this more and more younger and younger as I travel throughout the world and play for different people. I'm hearing this sentiment of hopelessness. No more hopelessness. No more. We're not going to drink that water. So this piece is called Pontus Angelicus. This is the bread of angels. Pontus is bread. Angelicus is angels. Angels don't need bread, but they have a hunger for something far more profound than bread. They have a hunger to have an encounter with the one who created them perfectly, Almighty God, the one who loves them perfectly. I don't love my children perfectly because I am imperfect. But God has this way with all of us to give us the experience of perfect love. That is worth pursuing. We have that same hunger, according to this poem, but we don't see God. So we require something called faith, but I love it. It elevates us. But you notice what the author did? He didn't write it as an essay. This has lasted 800 years. Why does something last 800 years? Because it has meaning to civilization and meaning to the individual. If it didn't, it would not last. But it has lasted. Why? 
because it is profound. And what makes it profound? He wrote words. The words go to the brain, but he wrote it as a poem. And the beauty of the poem, gentlemen, elevate that mystery behind the meaning of the poem. There's no way words can capture the bread of angels. No way. But mix that with beauty, and then the listener or the audience will have a much truer or more real or elevated experience of the real meaning of Panis Angelicus, which can't be defined by words. <clears throat> so this piece is Panis Angelicus. The words are written 800 to 1,000 years ago. And I finished the music just a couple of years ago. When, when a girl gets married and she says, oh, I have to have Panis Angelicus at my wedding, she's usually talking about Cesar Franck's version. I just wanted to give him a run for his money. That's all. <laughs> this piece is Panis Angelicus.
James, it's a pleasure to have you here with us for our show. And you've been at this Styles unit for a number of years, right? 22 years. 22 years. And today we had that concert as well. We had mass, then a concert. Do you usually get that kind of an event going on here? Uh, the only time we have a mu musical event is like when we have Kobe, mm -hmm. and we used to have some real good bands come in. Mm -hmm. But this is the first time that I've ever seen, as long as I've been in the institution, something of this caliber. Is that right? And uh, it strikes me as just a miracle because I never would have thought I'd see or hear something like that in this environment. In terms of the, the, the guys that were here for both the mass and the concert, it seemed that it really lifted them up. A lot of guys were crying. It does. Uh, it really touched them. This is the one environment where we can come in and kind of let things down, let our shields down. In, in here in the chapel. We can give it up to the Lord yeah. right here. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to worry about others being judgmental of our behavior. Mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed to say, I'm an old convict. Mm -hmm. I come in here in the chapel and I'll cry, mm -hmm. especially tonight during the music, the singing, it was so beautiful, it brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. And I, I love violin music. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and the violence is stunning. And it's something about, you know, here in the chapel, being in a place of prayer, that it seems safe to be more human. That a lot of times people think of folks in prison as being always on guard. You got guards around you and everybody is psychologically on guard. That's not true here, is it? Absolutely not. People are, let's say, stereotyped by what they see on TV mm -hmm. regarding people in prison. So many people in Kairos or Colby who come in to volunteer. Which are, and so folks understand, Kairos and Colby are retreats right, and ministry. spiritual ministries that come into the prison. Right. Yeah. And the volunteers say before they decided to accept the invitation to come in as a volunteer, they were scared to death. They mm -hmm. didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And they come in here and they meet us one-on-one -on -one and they say it's completely different. It's absolutely exactly. opposite. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's a bad environment as far as prison, per se. You're in prison. But it's a different environment here in the chapel. This is where we come to renew. Mm -hmm. our faith, our spiritual strength. We see miracles in here. 
we're family. It doesn't matter what color, what age, none of that matters to us. We are family. I have over the years lost all my family. Mm -hmm. This is my family, mm -hmm. the brothers in white. And I've gone to them when I've had hard times and they've counseled me and they've, they've strengthened me and I've strengthened them in some instances. Mm -hmm. So miracles do happen in prison yeah. and they'll carry on. And I'm happy to say that a lot of times men here learn what they need to pass on to their children in the world and make a stronger family out there. And it, it's our Lord, the influence of our Lord. You know, I, I thought as I listened to a number of guys that the humility of Christ to be born in a little cave as a little baby is showing us a model because a number of guys say, I had to be humbled before I could admit I was wrong and ask for forgiveness. Right. And that humbling by God to become one of us helps them to do so. And that was very clear in a lot of the conversations I had today. So this has been uh, another gift of Christmas to see how wonderful that can be. It's absolutely true. We have to take that step, which is a hard step for us to take sometimes, sure. to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Now, who are we not to forgive ourselves if our Lord is willing to forgive us himself? Yeah, yeah. He is the one. His, he makes the decision, not yeah. us. I always think of myself as a sinner and uh, how humble he is to forgive me too. That's just Amen. all that is part of it. James, thank you so much for being with us today and enjoying all the, the, the mass and the concert. And thank you for having a chance to chat with us. I thank everybody here that's made this possible. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Dante, welcome. It's a great honor to get a chance to chat with you a little bit. Um, today, this we had this wonderful chance to celebrate Mass and have this concert. How has this been for you today? Very inspiring. Very, very, a lot more appreciative to, to being incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And seeing how people are in society come from you know, different walks of life and definitely a busy schedule and there's how stuff is going with the pandemic and stuff to come in here in a shorter time and you have to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. 
One of the things that you and I had talked about before uh, the, this interview is that you and some of the other men here have it on your heart to say, what can we do so that young men don't end up here? Man, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a whole lot of talent in here from people that do music to artwork to just the creativity is mag magnificent in here. Mm -hmm. and, and can I just make a comment? Yes. Overall, I'm very impressed with how many intelligent guys are here. This, you know, people think that, you know, people are ignorant. They may not have all the education, but there's, there's a lot of talent here and a lot of intelligence here. You know, I wouldn't say that ending up in prison was probably the high point of your life. It is. It is? It How is. so? Because, I mean, <clears throat> I would be dead. Uh, if I wasn't in here, the stuff I was doing, mm -hmm. and it's like I'm, I was living out in society with a bunch of anger, but unnecessary anger. Mm -hmm. But it was like the blame game. Well, my mom, this, my dad, that. So it was like a bunch of anger that I had. So I decided to go take it out on everybody else, and that led me to prison. But I had that I don't care. I have nothing to lose attitude. So. When you're dealing with somebody like that, which was me, it's nothing you can do but to destroy them because I'm going to destroy myself. Mm -hmm. So coming in here, even in here, even in here, I live like that a little bit where I, I just didn't care. And then as change came about, I realized, yeah, I do have something to lose. I have eternal life to lose. Mm -hmm. I have good good people that have faith in me and I can lose their friendship. I don't want to lose that. I definitely don't want to lose eternal life. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 uh been a wonderful experience in here. Stressful, but <laughs> it's been a wonderful experience being in prison and now I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, may our Lord bless you as as he already has and help to bring that next step about so you do get out there to do some more of the good that you started. Yes, sir. It's good to have you. It was good being here. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you.
Thank you so much. Guys, it's been a very memorable afternoon. And um, obviously, there's a uh, couple people I would really, really like to thank. First of all, it's Father Mitch, our celebrant at the, at the Mass today. Father Mitch, you know, he graciously had me on his show. Father Mitch has been very dear to me for years. And so he invited me to be here today. He's why I'm here. And he's, and he's here because he cares about you. And I'm here because I care about you. Great. Friends, I would also like to thank these three extraordinary soloists. Um, you know, sometimes, I'm, I, I mean, I hire different people everywhere I travel. Um, but uh, the, these three have come to mean a great deal to me. Brendan has toured with me, I guess, for about a year or so. About a year? A little less? It's approximately a year. Um, Brendan, um, he's very dear to me because it's one thing to hire a spectacular cellist. Another, it's another thing to hire a spectacular cellist who sees the vision, who understands what music is always meant to be to the people. And I feel like I have an ally with this young man. This is Brendan Phelps. Gentlemen, you rarely hear the violin played this well. We go into, you know, into movie stars' homes, and they're like shocked at how good this young man is. Extraordinary. This is John Fawcett. And this is my second tour with this phenomenal singer, and I hope it's two of many to come. Our wonderful vocalist today is Juwan Lee. <laughs> Guys, you know, we, why don't we close just singing a couple of carols together, okay? So we'll just sing one or two verses, and really, this is not a solo. Please sing out.
Love you too, brother. <laughs> Thank you. I guess you liked it. Thank you all very much. You're just wonderful, wonderful. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you that by taking on our humanity and being born so humbly in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary, 
with other simple folks gathered around, shepherds and St. Joseph, that you evoke from us this kind of beauty and this kind of love would help us always to be inspired by you in this moment of our lives and every moment. We ask that you direct everything we do and say to give glory to you and to raise us up to your heights. You came down to our depths and were born like a caveman to raise us up to heaven. Guide us all the way there so that our destiny is to join with the angels after this little foretaste of heaven to be with you and the angels forever. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you and thank you. All right, you got, we got some Kobe brothers in here, right? Yeah. Y'all know how we do it? Let's raise them up. this two-part EWTN Live Christmas special. We ask you to pray for all those who are in prison. They're separated from their families, and they're really trying to grow in their faith. And they really appreciate the fact that you are watching them, as well as praying for them. They know about it and they appreciate it. And so do all the men and women who go into the Styles unit and the other units to evangelize. And something that you might want to consider, that our Lord included among the works of mercy, visiting those who are in prison. Perhaps he's calling you to be involved in prison ministry. And if he is, listen carefully and follow the leading. Look for the open doors to help out so that though the inmates can't go out those doors, you can go in and bring them Jesus and his love. They respond so wonderfully, as you saw. So may the Lord bless you throughout this Christmas season and into the new year the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
We have to take a short break, but we'll be back in a couple minutes, so please stay with you. Oh. <laughs> stay with you. <laughs> stay with you. Leave me alone. No. <laughs> I'm Father Mitch Packwell. And we are going to have a very special celebration of Christmas in this chapel at the Stiles Unit of the state prison system in the great state of Texas. We are in Beaumont, Texas, right near the golf course. Oh, golf course. <laughs> I don't even know how to play golf. I've never played golf in my life. <laughs> Let's try it again. I think Father Mitch got this down pat. <laughs>